0: Good morning everybody, good to see all of you and uh, on these Holidays that we observe here in the US uh these Monday holidays of course we typically see you on the day before but I do want to wish all of you a a, a happy Labor Day. I know that, that that doesn't mean necessarily a day off for everyone. I get it. I have a wife who's who's an RN so healthcare, retail, you know, media, public service, maybe even other other kind of kinds of people. So not everybody has uh, tomorrow off, but many of you do and so hopefully you can enjoy that. Actually, Amy and I are going to, after the service today, we're kind of headed to the west side of the state meet our son and his fiance over there. So uh, hopefully the weather will clear up and we can enjoy some time on Lake Michigan at the dunes on uh, tomorrow. So we'll be thinking of you and you can think of us and we can uh, just, uh, again, hopefully have a little bit of time off and and enjoy some time with family or friends. And this, this morning, as I, as I thought about, you know, as we think about Labor Day, and this isn't about trying, you know, necessarily a message on, on the observance of Labor Day, but just the idea of, of rest and, and relaxation and taking some time off and all of that, I thought, well, maybe an appropriate topic to talk about then as we think of Labor Day would be the topic of serving God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. If you think about taking rest from work, what does it mean for us to be people who, and, and, the, and the, the word that was, we're going to look at today, is a word that is most correctly translated slaves in uh, in the New Testament. And it's the word doulos. Many of you are familiar with that word. Doulos it means servant, it means bond slave and it's an interesting thing the New Testament. And some of uh, there's we don't have the time to discuss this and give a full treatment of it, but some people have said, "Why why wasn't Jesus or why wasn't Paul or why wasn't the New Testament in general more uh, direct about eradicating slavery?" And I, and I think that's a, that's a good question to ask, and, and, and I think it's a good discussion to have. That isn't what these particular passages are about. I think when, when in God, as he was impressing upon uh, his son what to, what to teach, and he was also impressing upon through the, through the doctrine of, of, you know, of, of his inspiration of what Paul was to write to the churches, it was interesting that it seems like God had uh, somewhat a, a different kind of agenda. That uh, does not mean in any way that, that I, I think that God in any way would want people to, to live in the in this kind of uh, a forced uh, servitude, and it was it was an it was an institution that was very extremely prominent in the Roman Empire at the time when Paul was living when Jesus was living. Uh, it's been suggested that at the t- at the outset of the first century there were as many as twelve million slaves. In the Roman Empire alone. By the way, that's one out of every five people. 20% of the population, it's been estimated, at the outset of the first century were slaves. They came from all different ethnicities, uh, all different ages, all different genders, and so it seems from what we, again, what we read in the, New Te- in the New Testament, that it was such a pervasive institution. And I think we could probably, uh, I would hope that we could all agree that in, one, in, in a very real sense, it's an evil institution. To, uh, the, again, forced servitude, uh, if, that someone would, would have to observe that. It seems, though, that when the New Testament writers were writing, their, their, uh, their agenda, they had a different agenda than just eradicating it. Because maybe understanding that this institution was going to continue, at least in that particular context, for a particular time, Paul is going to write to people who are slaves and to those who are masters and, and, and tell them how should they, they should function as servants of Christ within it. So I, I want to be very clear, in no way do I think that scripture teaches that slavery is acceptable and okay and it's something we should continue. I think in our own, uh, of course in our own country's history we have an incredible smirch on it in, in terms of the the years of slavery that existed in our own country and that's a, that's a horrible part of our legacy, right? All of us would acknowledge that. And in, I think any, any uh, uh, social construct or political entity that has, uh, had, that has had that in their past, of course, needs to take responsibility for that and acknowledge the evil that it is. Fully and wholeheartedly uh, support that. My agenda for you to, today is to be uh, in line with what God's agenda was as he spoke through Paul and as Paul wrote to the ancient world who were living in this institution, And as they were living in this institution, he wanted them to have a particular orientation. And I think then there are principles that we can glean from this very unique set of people to whom he was writing, because it ultimately is going to help us to understand how we can be slaves of the master who is known as Jesus. Make sense? So that's my hope for us today. And so today I want to share with you a message simply entitled, The Servant. What, is this, what does that servant look like? And so what I want to do is I want to read pass, two, uh, two passages of Scripture. They're going to sound a lot alike. They are very, very alike, some slight differences. But there's a passage, in, and it's listed, they're listed in your notes. So again, you can look on the notes. I got a, I'm using a couple different translations there, as you'll see. You can pull it up on your phone or your uh, other device, flip through your Bible. I'm going to start in Colossians 3, and then I'm going to read in Ephesians 6. So follow along with me as I do just that, okay? Paul, writing to the church at Colossae, first says this. Excuse me. Slaves, obey your masters in all things. Do not obey just when they are watching you to gain their favor, but serve them honestly because you respect the Lord. In all the work you are doing, work the best you can. Work as if you were doing it for the Lord, not for people. Remember that you will receive your reward from the Lord, which he promised to his people. You are serving the Lord, Jesus Christ, the Lord Christ. But remember that anyone who does wrong will be punished for that wrong, and the Lord treats everyone the same. Jumping to Ephesians 6, picking up in verse 5. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to gather in this place in your name, in the presence of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gift of your word, which is truth. And we pray that as all those things intersect together, the community of your people, the the, the person of your Holy Spirit, the truth of your word, as those intersect today, we pray that there would be a a supernatural event here this morning, not just uh, something where we observe a religious ritual of quote unquote going to church, but that you would change us by the power of your spirit and again by that truth. Open our hearts up, God, to how we might understand uh, this, this, uh, pass- these passages that were written to this particular socioeconomic subgroup in the ancient world but can speak to us today as people who are servants of yours. We pray that you would be glorified and we, pay- we pray that, that also that, you, that we would be changed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A servant, if you will, is someone simply who assumes or is charged with the responsibility of accomplishing an assignment for someone else. At a base level, that's what a servant is. Someone who assumes voluntarily or is charged with, maybe not voluntarily, the responsibility of accomplishing an assignment for someone else. In many ways, we know that every one of us are a servant at some level in our Real lives, right? Now, many of us maybe are the, the, the quote unquote boss at work or we might be the business owner and we might be the ultimate you know final word in that in that company. But ultimately we recognize again whatever wherever we find ourselves in the pecking order as it relates to our employment, though I do think there are some things we can glean from the way in which we relate to our employers, from the heart of what Paul is telling the slaves and the way that they should relate to their masters. It's ultimately and that's what we're gonna hopefully walk away with, it's ultimately about helping us to live Better as servants of the king, as servants of our master. And so what is the one command of both these passages? Everything else is going to serve this one command. The one command, of course, you saw it, right? You saw it at the very beginning of each of, each of those passages is slaves, obey. Obey your earthly masters. That word means this. It's called the, the Greek word for that, that we translate into obey in this particular passage. Um, uh, in our English Bibles is hupakuo, which means it's interesting that the original kind of like literal meaning of it means to listen. It's used of one who at a knock on the door comes to listen for who is there. So it was like the duty of a porter or a door person, a doorman, right? So it's someone who hears the knock on the door and is attentive to it and comes and finds out who is there. It's, it, you can kind of see how we got our phrase in English. Some of you who are parents have—have have you ever used a phrase like this with one of your children? Are you listening to me? Right. I know, that I know physically, like, the hearing thing is probably happening, but are you listening? Are you taking into account what's happening here? And so you, many of you who are parents have maybe uttered those kinds uh, of words to your, to your children. The word then came to mean in a more kind of, like, metaphorical way, so to speak. It meant to listen to a command, that is, to obey, to be obedient to, to submit to. And so if you will, it's kind of like we hear the knock on the door, we don't ignore the knock on the door, right? In the same way that the porter would not ignore the knock on the door. Why? Because it was his or her job to find out who was at the door and see if there the, uh, was a person that they were going to let, let into the house. So here we don't have the option of ignoring the knock on the door when God is knocking on our, the door of our hearts that we might be obedient to him. We have to answer that knock and then ascertain exactly what he's calling from us to do. So that's why it came to mean to listen to a command, to be obedient to, to a command, to submit to a command. Again, remembering that a servant simply is someone who assumes or is charged with the responsibility of accomplishing an assignment for someone else. And all of us at some level and every, every single one of us for sure who is a Christ follower, has to understand what it means then to live as a servant because that is part and parcel of who we are. We are slaves of Christ and we're gonna see that, of course, we already saw that as we read the passages. So what I wanna do with you then now is, if this, if this is the command, the singular command, then what is the way of obedience? You can see there's five or six tick points there on your notes. And you're welcome to take, uh, take notes as we move down through, as I often say, during messages. I in no way want to suggest that as we move through the way of obedience, that this list that's coming out of these two passages is exhaustive. It's not everything there is about obedience, but I think there's enough there for us to be challenged about how we live in obedience. Again, and, and, I, and I want you to think about this. As we're as we're moving through this message, I want you to think about the different applications that exist. Do you see your service to your employer in this manner? Do you see your service to your family in this manner that we're gonna talk about? Do you see your service to the Calvary family as in in this manner that we're gonna talk about the way of obedience? Do you see your entire life as a life of service? that is, again, going to be lived in the manner that we're talking about in the way of obedience. So whether or not you're thinking about that as it relates to being a parent, being a child, being an employer, being an employee, being someone who volunteers here at the church and leadership or as a teacher or someone who serves in the nursery, whatever the case might be, whatever the application might be, there's multiple ways that you can take this, I believe, and apply it to your life as you're living as a follower of Jesus so what is the way of obedience first thing is we obey in all ways what did Paul say to the Colossians slaves obey your masters in all things now think of the original context guys slaves did not have an easy life okay that's an incredible understatement right so, when Paul says to them, slaves, obey your masters, your earthly masters in all things, you've got to recognize, we've got to recognize, that not every one of these earthly masters would have been, a, some of them might have been, and, and you think about it, if there's 12 million slaves, and again, that, that many of them, of course, because Paul's writing to them, some of them are believers, right? Some of their masters are believers. I would suggest to you that many of their masters, also are not believers and even those who are believers are not believers I'm not in any way thinking that every master of every slave every 12 millionth slave in the Roman Empire is a master that you would like to have as a master right there are some probably very difficult harsh brutal conditions for the lives of these people who are living as slaves right brutal so when Paul says, "Slaves, obey your masters in all things," oh man, that seems a bit. Let's just be honest. Does that seem a bit unreasonable to you? That's tough. The way of obedience is that is that singular, less traveled route, right? The way of obedience, the way of sacrifice, the way of Jesus. It is incredibly countercultural. It always has been. It stands as countercultural today. I would suggest to you that though we have a lot more, and I recognize in the, in the, in the, uh, certain poli- uh, political and social strata that exists now in our, in our day, in our country, and in our world. I, I understand that, but let, that, that there are some issues with, with saying I'm a Christian or I'm a Jesus follower or I believe in God or I believe in Jesus. I understand there's some, it's a little bit of a different reality for us today than it was maybe 20 years ago. I get that, but let's face it, it's still, it's not too difficult to be a believer, right? In, in, in many ways in our society. In the kind of believership that we oftentimes associate with people who are just like, I go to church. Oh, you go to church. That's great. When you think about the calling on our lives, when you think about things that we kind of read by where Paul says, I die daily. Where Paul says, I no longer live my life, but Christ, the life I live is now the life that Christ lives through me. I've been crucified with Christ Jesus. When you think about those harsh kind of words, they kind of ring true to this same kind of mentality when Paul says to those ancient slaves, slaves, obey your masters in all things. I I think that even if Paul was here today and we could interview him, I think, of course, he would say, if that master is asking you to do something that would violate a direct command from the Lord, right? then I, I think even Paul himself would say that's where kind of the line is drawn. And I recognize that as well. And I think that even happens sometimes in employment, right? How many of you have been, ever been in an employment situation and your boss, maybe your supervisor, your manager was asking you to do something that was a violation of something you knew, maybe a violation of your integrity, a violation of honesty, something where in good conscience you couldn't do it. I'm not suggesting you would, that this command would supersede that. I, I know in no way. All I am suggesting is that that meant for those slaves in the ancient world that there were going to be things that they had to do that were going to be poopy. (laughs) They were going to be terrible, hard, difficult, brutal. Obey your masters in all ways, in all things. Secondly... Paul says, and by the way, as you're doing this, obedience isn't enough. You got to do it with the right attitude. What? Obey with respect and fear. This is a phrase that Paul uses multiple times in the New Testament. It is given to indicate the heavy responsibility and the seriousness with which you should see your service to your master in the ancient world the word fear actually it's it's a word that actually is an emotional word it means have you have you ever been so afraid that you were trembling have you ever uh, also seen someone who was just trembling with fear or trembling with, with sadness? They were just overwhelmed emotionally. That's what the word is. It, it's a very emotional word. It, it is to indicate the, the, that this person who is living as a slave understands the seriousness, again, with which they do their work and that there is a heavy responsibility for, uh, for them to assume, for them to recognize Again, Paul uses the same phrase several times in the New Testament to relate and to how we should serve Jesus, that we should serve him with fear and trembling as well. We should serve him with reverence and awe. That's the, and depending on the English translation that you might be looking at, there's different ways in which that phrase comes out. But the idea is that when we are going about it, we are going about it with the proper attitude. We recognize the calling on our life as servants and we're going about things in the proper attitude. So in all things with the proper attitude and at all times, you know how it is, right? You know how it is when the supervisor shows up in the office at the plant, you know what, you know what happens. Everybody snaps into shape, right? Right? They check their hair, they make sure they look busy, right? They just got to do something because they, 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 because why? Because the eye is on them. Well, that doesn't, didn't just exist here in our contemporary society, in the ancient world too. Paul says, obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you. He says it as well. This is one of the things that he repeats almost directly. If you look at Colossians 320, excuse me, 3.22, the second sentence, do not just obey do not obey just when they are watching you to gain their favor right it's kind of like again parents all of us have walked into the room and then something happens some scrambling activity happens and then the kids all look like they're just models of perfection and what do we say what's going on what happened who did what who punched grabbed kicked bit what happened Where's the food? Where to get stuffed? Where's my phone now? To, right, parents today have to ask that, those kind of questions. Where's my phone? Give it up. All that kind of, th- all that kind of stuff. Because again, it's a, it's a very inf- juvenile thing, right? I'm going to obey when they're watching, and then when they're not watching, what? Again, how many people? 275, 94, 696 and then we see the cop Ooh. right hit the brake 85 is cool when no one's watching right it ain't so cool when they see you Paul says at all times obey remember that obey listen and obey submit to In all things, with the proper attitude, at all times. I could probably stop here, right? Because we're all starting to like sink into our seats. This is so heavy. But Paul kept writing, so I'll keep going, okay? We'll just be faithful to the text. Paul says, in fact, do what you do at all times, in all ways, not only with the proper attitude, but also with the right heart. You see, as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. So well, again, this is kind of the extension of the, the sentence I just read. If you look back in 6 6, it says, obey them not only when their favor when their eyes are on you, comma, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart, serve wholeheartedly. Paul also says that he uses this this term sincerity of heart. The, sincere, the word for sincere or sincerity of heart is, is the word it means in, in um, simplicity or honesty. No pretense, it, no hypocrisy, not self-seeking. So it's someone who's serving is almost like a willingness, a desire, a passion, a wholeheartedness. Do you see that? So it's again, it's not just because I have to. I can again. I'm called to obedience. I live in obedience, always, all times. I have the right attitude of uh, of respect for that person who's charged me with that given responsibility. But I do it not just because I have to. I do. There's actually something that happens in the life of a believer where they are actually serving, almost as it's almost a privilege for them to serve. They serve with passion. One of the things I've always appreciated about my wife, I, I don't use my, uh, my my family oftentimes. Sometimes people ask me, you don't talk about your family all that much. And sometimes I, I don't want to be one of those, sometimes I get a little bit irritated by some of those teachers where they're always talking about how their family is good at this and they're bad at that. And they always use their family as these examples. And so I, I, sometimes I personally kind of err on the other side of that, not that I want to keep my family away that you don't know anything about them, but I kind of choose those examples kind of like strategically and, and, and more, less often, I guess, because I, I recognize that, um, that there, there is importance in understanding that, but I just want to have limits with that. But one of the things I've always really loved about, um, about my wife is the way in which she sees responsibility and she sees responsibility. She definitely is, is the kind of person, whether she's working at, in, in the unit, at, at, at where she's a nurse, or in the home where she's a, a wife and a mother, whatever it might be, she's, I've, she's always struck me as somebody who just lives out this kind of servanthood uh, that she recognizes it's not just sometimes, but it's all the time. She has a very high sense of responsibility and does things with the right attitude, but she also has a very high sense of passion. And, and, and if you, and some of you know Amy and some of you don't, but, but when, when she serves, it's, it's not just something where she's doing it half-heartedly, but she is a person I always would think of as an example of someone who serves, and as they serve, they serve wholeheartedly. And so her employer, her kids, her husband, her family, her friends, they get all of her. And I think there's a really admirable, that's an admirable character trait. When your employer, when your family, again, when your church, when they get all of you, when you're serving with passion, when you're serving wholeheartedly, I think it's a wonderful way to represent what Jesus has done for us, right? So we do it at all times, we do it with a proper attitude, we do it in all ways, we do it with the right heart. We also are committed to excellence. For those of you who are NFL fans, I know you're just so excited, it starts up this Thursday and then next Sunday and the whole rhythm of of the year throughout uh, all the way until February. Some of you know that as the phrase that's the uh, mantra of the Oakland soon to be Vegas Raiders, right, a commitment to excellence. What existed before then? Al Davis didn't come up with it, right? Paul says, in all the work you are doing, he just makes it very simple. Work the best you can. Whatever you do, just do your best. Now, your best, doesn't, it doesn't have to be their best. It doesn't have to be your co-worker's best. It doesn't have to be your friend's best. Just do your best. It's real simple. It's just straightforward. And you know when you're giving your best, right, to your family you know when you're giving your best to your small group to your friends to your neighbors to your church to your employer and you know when you're not you know when you're doing things halfway you know when you're cutting corners you know it You intrinsically know it. You know because you know what is your best and you know when you're falling short of that. Paul says to those people again who are serving in that ancient institution of slavery, he says, you know what? What you do with the right attitude, with the right heart in all ways and at all times, just do your best. And then he, he brings it home by these last two things, which are really maybe the most important, though all of this stuff is, it kind of it feeds one and the other. I would suggest to you that the reason that we should be committed to excellence, the reason we do it with the right heart, the reason that we, that we do it with the proper attitude, the reason we do it always and, 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 uh, at, and, and in all things, the reason that it's such a comprehensive call is because it's all really about a spiritual focus. You see, this is something where we're actually not serving those earthly masters, that employer, that slave owner, that family, whatever it might be. Again, it's, it, it could be a great person we're serving or not so great person we're serving, but we're really not serving them, we're serving the Lord Christ in everything. We walk into our office, we walk into the plant, we get into our car to head to an appointment, we walk into our household, everything we do, every act that we do, every act of service that we do is a service to the Lord. Look at how many times that Paul says this in these two passages. Look, if you will, in the notes, going again, starting in the, in the Colossians passage, jump down to the end of verse 22, uh, serve them honestly because you respect the Lord. Why do you serve them honestly? Because you respect the Lord, because it's a spiritual thing. Verse 23, work as if you were doing it for the Lord. Jump down into into Ephesians, into verse five, just as you would obey Christ. Verse six, as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. And verse seven, as if you were serving the Lord. Over and over and over, you're doing all of this because everything that you're doing is a service to the Lord Christ. So when you're thinking about that, again, when you, when you head back to work, when you're thinking about serving your family, when you're involved in serving here at Calvary, when you're doing something to serve one of your neighbors, you're reaching out in love to serve people who, who maybe don't know Jesus yet. Whatever you're doing, any act of service, it's ultimately about your relationship with Jesus. The last thing is a servant in the way of obedience always maintains a kingdom perspective, a kingdom perspective. We don't always get rewarded for every act of service on earth that we do on earth. Now, I recognize that we, uh, for, for most of us we, who, who are employed, uh, we serve that company, that organization, that group, whatever it might be, and, and we work for them and we receive a paycheck. That's, how, that's kind of how it works in our society. That's kind of how the exchange happens. I work, you pay. That kind of an idea, I get that. But I think there again are lots of opportunities for us to serve where there may not be that earthly temporal pay, that ephemeral you know, uh, reward, that something that comes immediately. So as such, we need to remember that we will receive our reward from the Lord. And I think about, like as I'm scanning the room and I think about the many ways that I see so many of you serving in such a sacrificial way. And I know that at times, it's got to be wearing. I think that's why scripture says, don't grow weary in doing good. (laughs) Because doing good sometimes, living as a servant, it does wear you out. I recognize that. And I just want to encourage you, whether you're a staff member, uh, some sort of, again, some person who's a volunteer in any capacity, whether it be leadership or, again, serving in the nursery or teaching kids or whatever you might be doing, serving in in, in any kind of ministry capacity here, I know there are times where you could be doing something else that might be more enjoyable. I know there are times you'd be doing something else that you really need to get done, like in your life, like the call again from something at work or your family. And I know that many of you make multiple sacrifices on a regular basis to serve the Lord and serve the family here at Calvary. And I wanna remind you that you will receive a reward from the Lord. If you're doing the best you can, if you're doing it with the right attitude, if you're doing it with the right kind of heart, the reward from the Lord will far exceed any sort of reward that you even might receive here on earth. So one person said it this way in kind of like a, summa, a summary kind of paragraph. It's kind of long, but I want to read it to you. A faithful servant fervently and efficiently carries out their assigned responsibilities. No matter how small or large, using his or her God-given resources to their fullest capacity without the need for continual external controls or compliments, in spite of the temptation of immediate temporal pleasure and fulfillment or the trial of imminent temporal pain and failure, and does so as if they were serving Jesus himself. That's what a faithful servant looks like. That's the call in all of our lives. And I pray that it wouldn't be something that we see as bondage, but here's the irony. When we recognize our call as people who are servants of the most high, it's actually freedom to be the people that he's always designed us to be. I don't think that's just pastor speak. I don't think that's me trying to spin something and make it sound better. That's, I believe, really the heart of what God has for his created beings. The way of freedom, the way of the abundant life is when we surrender all to our master. And so as you leave here this, this morning, as you head back to work tonight, tomorrow, Tuesday, whatever it might be for you, As you think about your interactions with your family and your friends, I want you to remember the words that Paul wrote to those ancient slaves thousands of years ago. Millions of slaves, right? Maybe hundreds that had become believers. I want you to think about how it is that you would live out that call of obedience on your life as servants of Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this direct and poignant, powerful, and clear message that you gave to your servant, Paul. And as you inspired him to write it to those ancient believers, as you, God, preserved it throughout the centuries that we now have, in a very different culture on the other side of the world as we're considering what does that mean for us in 21st century US. We pray that you would give us, Lord, the wisdom to to, to understand the truth that you've shared with us. We also pray, Lord, that you would work in our wills that we might have that desire to obey you as our master, in all ways and at all times, and with all of those other modifiers as well, in effect, God, that you inspired Paul to challenge the ancient people with and us today as well. Thank you, God, for the calling on, on our lives. Help us to see that it really is the way of freedom. It's the way of meaning. It's the way of purpose, because it's the way of Jesus who was the ultimate suffering servant, who served you above himself and actually ended up serving our greatest need. We thank you for his perfect example of what it means to be the ultimate servant. We pray that he would, we would walk in that way for your glory. Amen.